2015 was a probably one of the, the years that things changed the most for me personally. And uh, wow, what a, what a big change to go from a, a youth pastor to a pastor, an associate pastor to a pastor. And um, I still haven't got this plaque yet, but I was promised that when I became a pastor, I was promised I'd get a plaque to hang on my wall in my office that said, the buck stops here. Because I had this saying, I loved it. I love to say it, and I still say it occasionally, but not near as much now that I'm a pastor. As I used to say, I don't know, I just work here. You know, I'd, I'd say that at DCAB. People would ask me, Jeremy, what about this? Or when? I don't know, I just work here. Keith's the pastor, but now I can't say that anymore. When somebody asks me something, it's like, I, there's no one to my left to look to. You know, I, I'm the pastor now. And, and it's been a great ride. It's been fun. I, I've loved it. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to 2016. And uh, that's what we're preaching on today, 2016. Um, we're going to talk about what we need to be doing in 2016. So if you have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. And uh, I'm going to read my scripture, and uh, it's going to be Philippians chapter 3, it's going to be verses 12 through 16. And our title, our sermon title today, if you're taking notes, is Pressing On in the New Year. Pressing On in the New Year. Philippians chapter number 3, beginning with verses 12, reading all the way through verse 16. And when you get there, if you don't mind, would you stand as we read God's Word out of reverence for God's Word. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16 says this Not that I have already attained or am I already perfected but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me Brethren I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God would reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to, a, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Thank you. You may be seated. Pray today that we are looking towards the new year. And uh, before I get into my message, some deacons were picking on me before the service, it sounds like. And I just wanted to, I've been saving this joke. I've been saving this joke. I've been waiting on the appropriate time to tell this thing. And I like to tell a joke every once in a while. And I just want to tell you this story uh, concerning some deacons. One time there was a pastor. And you know, he loved his deacons. The deacons loved him, much like here. I know they love me. That's why they pick on me. I hope. I hope that's what that means. That's what I'm, that's what I'm counting on it meaning because they really love me because they pick on me all the time. But there was a pastor. He was driving into the church on a Sunday morning. And as he drove in uh, to the church Sunday morning, he, he looked out in front of the church and there was a dead donkey. All right? I, I'm just assuming. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I'm just assuming maybe one day somebody was riding a donkey and it just gave out on the side of the road. So they left it there. So the preacher, he, he, he sees this in his car and he says, my goodness, somebody needs to, somebody needs to deal with that. So he, he, par he puts his car in park, he gets out of his car, he walks into the church, and wouldn't you know it, the first person he sees when he walks in the back door of the church is one of his, one of his beloved deacons. 
They just love him and he loves them and they love their pastor so much. They open the door for their pastor and they, they hand him a, a bulletin and they say, good morning, preacher. He says, good morning, deacon. He says, listen, he says, I got to tell you something. He said, I, I was driving in this morning and I noticed a dead donkey out in front of the church. And I was wondering if you could, maybe you and the other deacons could handle it. You know, being servants of the church, I just wonder if you can handle it. Well, the deacon looked at him, he just kind of stepped back. He said, preacher. He says, I want you to know that the preacher always handles burying the dead. And we ain't doing nothing <laughs> with that donkey. And that preacher, he's, he's sharp-witted. He, he, he's quick. He says, oh, I know. I don't expect you to do anything with it. I was just notifying the next of kin. <laughs> so, I love my deacons. But pick on me while I ain't in Sunday school this morning while I wasn't there to defend myself, and I'm just going to tell a joke on you. That's what's going to happen. Let me tell you what they were picking on me about, though. Poor old me, poor, poor old preacher. I, I would roll my sleeve up, but I, it might scare people. I, I've, got, I've got bruises all up and down my arm. Let me tell you what I did. I was just being a, just, a, a, just a minding my own business. I was on a ladder up in an attic. All right? I'm on the top step of that ladder, and I'm just digging around, getting stuff out of my attic. We think we might have sold our house, so I'm cleaning stuff out of our house. And, and I, I felt this little motion here, and all of a sudden my ladder went out and up under my feet. And so... What do you do? Well, you grab onto something. So I grabbed onto the ceiling of my, the attic. I grabbed on, and I'm sitting there just swinging and all. And I don't know, something happened with this arm, and I, it just slid down. And as I'm sliding down, this ceiling just grates on my arm and rips skin off my arm and turns my arm, per, and I fall to the ground. Right? No big deal. Right? I mean, you know, nobody knew. It was just me. Me and Hannah, the only two people. Somebody sprung a leak. And now the whole church knows about my little fall. But I'm fine. I'm good. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your concerns. I'm good. I'm good. But the new year, pressing towards this goal, pressing on in the new year. Paul talks about life, and we know that life, there's one thing that connects everything in life, right? Movement, right? Life's always moving, isn't it? Think about it. Think about your life. Think about, think about how much the Christmas time and Thanksgiving and the New Year. Think about all, all the running around we do. We run around like crazy people, don't we? we? We're all the time just we're running around, going here, going there, doing this, doing that. And in the New Year, I promise you, you think, oh, Christmas is behind us. Thanksgiving is behind us. New Year, oh, we're, it's going to calm down. Oh, you just, it, we're going to, we always run around. Life never stops. But here we are in the beginning of January. We once again have come to the place of starting a new year. I want to ask you, what do we do? You know, what's those things, New Year's resolutions? I've never really made a New Year's resolution. And, and uh, even if I did, I wouldn't keep it. I know I wouldn't. But some of us have New Year's resolutions. And, and I wonder today, what's our goal in 2016? What is our goal? What is your goal? I would love to lose weight, but the problem is I also love to eat, you know? And I would love to be a better husband and a better father, and I'd love to be a better pastor and a better preacher. What's our goal, though? What should we be pushing towards, church? What should we be pressing towards? And Paul outlines that in Philippians chapter 3. And, and I want to point out to you the first thing that Paul says as we press on in the new year. And as we press on towards our goal, the first thing I believe we see in verses 12 and 13, we must press on with dissatisfaction. You say, what? Dissatisfaction. 
Yes. Read verses 12 and 13 with me. Not that I have already attained. All right? The first thing he says, not that I have already attained or am I already perfected, but I press on. Paul. Paul's a big deal. All right? We need t-shirts with Paul's face on. I mean, Paul wrote a good chunk of the Bible. Paul was like the bomb. Paul was a Christian persecutor. This, this guy's he, he he would kill and persecute Christians. And then one day, just like the song says, blinded by the light, Paul was blinded. He changed his name. He was Saul. Now he's Paul. And Paul wrote letters to these churches. And now if there was anybody, any preacher that we should like really glorify, it was Paul. But what does he start off his letter? What does he start off this message with today? He says, not as though I have already attained or am I already perfected, but I press on. Paul was not satisfied, church. He had dissatisfaction about his Christian faith. He was not satisfied with where he was. Uh, I, I had this quote that I, I want to read to you. It says, we are to be completely satisfied with Jesus, but Paul says we are to never be completely satisfied with our Christian life. We are satisfied with Jesus. We are, we are satisfied with His death on the cross. We are satisfied that He came and He gave His life so that we could have new life. We are satisfied with those things. But when we come to the place, pressing on in this new year, when we come to the place where we are satisfied with, with ourselves and we have arrived as a Christian, we are on a slippery slope. Sometimes Christians are self-satisfied because they compare their, their running or their, their Christian life with other Christians. And who do we always compare ourselves with, church? Those who aren't doing as good a job as we are. Right? I mean, I look at someone who weighs 50 pounds more than I do about my height, and I'm like, man, you know, I could be that big. But then I look at my wedding photo 40 pounds ago, and I'm like, wow, but I used to be this. You see, we can compare ourselves with Christians who stink at being a Christian. We can compare ourselves with people who don't do as good a job as we do, and we look awesome, but then when we compare ourselves to people like Paul or Jesus, then we fall very, very short. Christians... Church, believers today, as we press on in this new year, I pray, I pray that you are never, ever satisfied with where you are with God. Never. Some of us don't have to worry about that because some of us are never satisfied with anything. I'm going to raise my hand there. I'm, I'm never satisfied with anything. Uh, my wife says, why don't you just appreciate what you have? Other day, I was driving down the road, and I, uh, it, was, yeah, it was last night. I was, I, I'm doing a wedding this afternoon, and, and so if I'm late to church tonight, that's why. But anyway, I, I was doing a wedding this afternoon, and last night I was at the rehearsal, and I was parked in our minivan beside this big, beautiful Chevrolet truck. I mean, just, I mean, I'm talking about tongue on the steering wheel. I'm like just looking at this, and I said, boy, I'd like to have a truck just like that. And my wife says, you got a truck like that. And I said, well, but not like that. The Christ life. You should look at your life. You should look at your accomplishments. You should look at where you are with God. You should always be striving for better. Lowe's has this slogan, never stop improving. You should never 
stop improving your life. You should never stop improving where you are with God. So the first thing I want you to see is that we should press on with dissatisfaction. But the second thing that I want you to see is we must press on with devotion. Look again at verse 13. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He says, But one thing I do. I forget the things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. What does he say? The one thing I do. Does Paul say two things? Three things? Four things? Or all things? No. He says the one thing I do. See, we must be devoted to one thing. If you would look at all of our lives, if you would take a picture of our lives and you look at the things, we've got our irons. We've got so many irons in the fire, don't we, church? I mean, you think about all the things you're involved in. Uh, I was moving this week, and, 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 and I was moving not, not the things in our house, but all my junk, okay? All my projects that have been going on for years and, and all the things that I've, I'm going to do one day. I, my garage right now is full of going to do's, right? Things that I need to do. I've got... I've got all kinds of things. I'm not doing one thing. Right? I'm doing many things. Your Christian life, there's things you're doing that are taken away from your Christian life and you're not devoted to Christ. You say, well, Jeremy, what about my husband? What about my children, my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews? What about my job? Yes, do all of those things. But Paul says, the one thing I do, he devotes himself to this one thing, following Christ, pressing on towards Christ. A lot of us need to refine our lives down to a little smaller tunnel and we need to devote ourselves to pursuing Christ. Why are our churches not as full as they once were? Why is our marriages not as full of God as they once could, were and they could be? Why is our families and our, our, our nation and our world falling apart? Because we're not devoted to the things that matter. Yeah, we're devoted. But what are we devoted to? It's like in the new year. Your resolutions. You're going to devote yourself to some of them, and some of them you're not. I'm not devoted to losing weight. That's why I'm not gaining eight or losing eight ounce. I'm not. My wife has changed her diet, and she's she's doing. But you know why? Because she wants to lose weight. Have I changed my diet? No, no. Because I love it. Last night they catered the the rehearsal and banana pudding and cake and. Chicken and ribs and macaroni and mashed potatoes with gra- How can I lose weight? <laughs> and Jesus calls us to follow Him. Jesus calls us to lay everything down. And I ask you, just like losing weight, how could we follow Christ better? How can we press on better in the new year if we're not willing to leave things behind? Press on. We must press on with devotion. The one thing I do, we'll be faced with many new things this year. Uh, Surprises, adversity, tasks to complete. However, we must be devoted to one. There there is nothing wrong with being busy. In fact, I'm always busy. I like to be busy. I think busy is good. But there's nothing wrong with being busy. There's nothing wrong with having a lot going on. What is wrong is not being devoted to the right thing. Athletes don't succeed by doing everything, do they? I mean, think about a football player, a baseball player. I mean, I'm sure most football players, they can play basketball as well, and and they can play baseball, and they can play hockey or whatever. But at some point, you've got to decide, what am I going to be good at? 
What am I going to succeed at? What am I going to be the strongest at? What is going to be my specialty? I believe that's what Paul's talking about when he says the one thing I do. We should strive to devote ourselves to one thing. And can I just go ahead and tell you right now, church, you're all right now devoted more than other things to one thing. And you're going to continue to devote yourself to one thing. But the question is this, what is it? What is it? What's it going to be? What's it going to be? If we are pressing on in this new year, we should strive to devote ourselves to this one thing. Church, I want to tell you, let us keep our eyes on our goal and let nothing distract us from keeping our eyes upon Jesus. This new year, pressing on. We must press on with dissatisfaction. Never be satisfied. We must press on with devotion. But then I believe in the second part of verse 13, Paul gives us this idea that we must press on with direction. If you see, he says, Brethren, I do not count it uh, myself to have apprehended, but the one thing I do, listen, he says, forgetting what's behind. Now, church, we got some of that to do here. I'm new, and I'm just, I still smell good I'm so new. I, come, come smell me. I'm, I'm so new, the smell hadn't worn off. You know, you get a new car, and it's new, and it smells good. But it starts wearing. I still got a new car smell right now. And I've got a little credit, and I can say this this morning. We've got some forgetting to do. Hey, let me tell you this. I'm going to step off. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a moment. I can't tell you how many people I've lost count outside of this church that don't go here that will not come here because of the things in the past. That, that's it. They like you. They probably even like me, probably like Jesus, probably think everything's the cool. The church is cool, and the but there's certain things that have happened they are not letting go. Now, let me ask you this. If you can't let them go, what's our hope? See, if we in here can get over it, then when they get over it, we can get somewhere. You know what I mean? I mean, hey, I wasn't here, so I really don't know. But I know we need to get over it, you know? Things my wife and I fussed about two years ago, I need to get over it. Three, four, five, six, seven years ago, I need to get over it. Men, we get over things quick, don't we? I mean, well, most men, we get over things pretty quick. Women, not so much. You know, it takes you a little longer. I respect that. Hey, God wires us all different. But we've got to move on. Paul says, direction. We must reach forward. We must press forward toward the things which are ahead. What's ahead for Timrod Baptist Church? What's ahead for you and your family? What's ahead for this church family? What's ahead? What's ahead? Don't worry about what's behind. Don't concern yourself with what's behind. Let me, let me ask you this. Who's ever seen that movie Click with Adam Sandler? He's got the remote. And he can rewind and go back in time. And he can pause and he can go forward. If you had that remote and you could rewind, you don't. But if you did, you would mess it up worse than it is now. You wouldn't fix it. We can't fix it. We're the ones who messed it up to start with. You couldn't change it. Even if you had an opportunity, we'd never fix it all, church. Forget it. Let's press towards this new direction. Let's lay hold. He talks about in verse 12. Lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Focus on the future. Press on towards Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
What does it say? It says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, to press on in this new year. You need to turn your eyes upon Jesus. You need to keep your eyes upon Jesus. You need to forget the things which are behind and remember the things that are to come. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. You say, Jeremy, I don't agree with you. You're just a young whippersnapper preacher who don't know anything. Well, I tell you what. Let me tell you what Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 62. He said, Jesus Christ, that guy on the cross, he said, no one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You say, Jeremy, I like to look back. Jesus said, stop. Who's plowed in here before? Anybody? Nobody's plowed. Okay. Some of y'all have plowed. And you know, what happens if you look back? I mean, hey, if you're plowing, I'm talking about if you're weird like me, I mean, I measure all my rows out. I, I listen, I got strings. I drop the seed right under the string. When my stuff comes up, it comes up straight. And if it don't, I pull it up and plant another one. Okay? I, hey, ain't going to be no crooked rows in my garden, right? And if you look back, if you're plowing and you look back, number one, you're going to get taken for a ride if something's pulling you because you ain't going to be paying attention and you're going somewhere because it ain't stopping. But then your rows will be like this, won't they? Your stuff won't come up the way it's supposed to. The sunlight won't get to every plant like it needs to. The water and the fertilizer and everything, all the preparations we made, they won't matter because our life will be a mess. And Jesus says, if you want to plow, if you put your hand on the plow and you follow me, you better keep your eyes forward. If you look back, you're not fit for my kingdom. Who's looking back this morning? Don't raise your hand, please. Who's looking back though? Jesus says, stop. These are two examples in the, in the Scriptures, in Hebrews 12 and Luke 9, where he says, stop looking back. Christ must be our focus. He must be our direction in this new year. Let us forget the things that are behind. Let us reach forward. Amen? Not only do we do this with devotion and direction, but verse 14, this is where it gets a little tough. We must press on in the new year with determination. If you look at verse 14, he says, I press I press towards the goal. You got to want it. You got to want it, church. If you don't want it, get off the train. But if you do, get on and be determined. The man who wins is the man who wants it worse. Listen, if we, if we get back to the Greek, and I know everybody don't like Greek, but hey, it was written in Greek. If we get back to the Greek, this phrase, this phrase also means to follow after. I press or I follow after. And you say, Jeremy, what's that matter? Let me give you another little blurb. These Greeks, they would have used this phrase when they described a hunter eagerly pursuing his prey. Same words. So as we read the Bible, it's important to know what they meant when they said these things. And when they said, I will press, when I will press towards God, when I press towards the goal, it's just like you hunters who, who run dogs or, or, or deer hunt or dove hunter, duck hunter, whatever you hunt. And you, listen, if you've ever went deer hunting, and you're sitting there for like 50 hours, it seems like, and you're cold, your, your, your toes are cold, your, your fingers are cold, your nose, is, your nose is just froze off, and you're, not this winter, but you know, in the past, and you're sitting there, and a deer comes out. Oh, boy, do you want it, don't you? Or a squirrel chatters. Or the dog's point. 
Are you here? You hear? If you're in the if you're in the woods deer hunting, it's quiet. You hear that? Coming? Oh my! I could jump to the moon. You get so excited because you've sat there, you've scouted, you've looked. You put cameras out. You bought corn. You bought your hunting license. You bought a new scope that costs more than your wedding ring. I mean, you do all these things. You want it. You're determined. You're dressed like a hunter. You look like a hunter whether you're a hunter or not. And when it comes, it's what you were pursuing. Listen, church. What if we pursued Christ that way? What if we pursued Christ that way? We must remember, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. And God changed him. And you know what's beautiful? I gotta, you'll miss this if you're not listening. Listen, Saul, when he talks about pressing towards Christ, he's talking about pressing with the same intensity that he persecuted Christians before. He hated Christians. And now he's running after Christ and he's using the same term that he used to persecute those who followed Christ. He says, why don't you love Christ the way I used to hate Christ? That's cool. That is big. That's big. Listen, that's the sermon. Paul tells us to press towards Christ with the same determination as we have towards other things. I got to pick on Tommy a minute. Yeah, I was right. Last race of the season, back in November, Tommy's man, Kyle Bush, leading the race. My man is second place. Bush wins a race, he wins a championship. My boy wins a race, my boy wins a championship. My man ain't winning it. He's second. Bush has got like a bazillion second lead on Harvick. It's over. I'm just, hey, yeah, I'm mad, I'm pouting, my lips rolled out, I'm just, I can't believe it, I'm just, I'm just mad. Kyle Bush misses nine races, he's going to win the championship, and I'm just so mad. And then, I'm looking at the TV, I'm praying, Jesus, Lord, send a caution, let him blow a tire, let him wreck. I'm on, the, I'm, ask her, I'm foaming at the mouth, I'm, please. Please let Bush blow a tire. Let him blow up. Let him fall asleep. I don't care what happens. As long as my boy wins. And then that caution come out. Right there at the end. You remember if you watched it right. And I'm like, whoa! Yes! We're going to win! Put tires on the thing. Bush drives away again. And I'm like, what? I was determined. I wasn't even driving. I wasn't even there. But if you could have bottled my determination up, I'd have lapped Bush 70 times. I was so determined you you've been there there's things you've wanted so bad you could taste them where's Christ where's Christ I gotta throw this in there I want you to know that M&M's car crossed the finish line and won the second that car I mean he had to already have my number dialed and the second that car crossed the line. I want you to know he called me and rubbed it in. And I want you to know that I didn't answer him. But anyway, we must press towards Christ with the same determination towards the things that matter the most. Let me ask you, what have you been pressing towards? What have you been determined to do? What have you been determined to 
accomplish. Last thing we see in the Scriptures here, Philippians 3. Not only do we press towards Christ in the new year with dissatisfaction, devotion, direction, discipline, but now we see discipline. That's the hard part. Verse 15. Verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many are mature, have this mind. Maturity. Let us have this mind. If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that I have already attained. Listen, here's the sermon right here. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Church, as we press on in this new year, we must remember to be disciplined. Disciplined. Last night, Hannah picked on me because I let her drive because I wanted to look over my wedding stuff as we were on the way to the reception. And I was just looking over that and she was going through Camden and the uh, Marvin just goes here, turn your hearing aid off real quick. And she was going through Camden and, and the inter- the, I think the, the, the speed limit's what, 35? And I was like, go 40, just get there, we're late, just go. And some of you, some of you, you want to follow Christ. But you don't want to obey the rules. You want to cheat, don't you, a little bit. You want to get there a little bit quicker, right? Or you want to, or you want to maybe bend the rules a little. And you know what I'm talking about. Hey, we must do the right thing. We must be disciplined. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind as Christ. We must always remember, guys, as we run the Christian race, as we press on towards the prize, we have guidelines. We have rules. This thing right here is full of them. It'll bail you out over and over again if you'll follow it and if you'll read it. Life in general, sports, rules, we have these guidelines. We need to press towards the goal, towards winning the the race of Christ. Jesus has called us to do this, but we must do it by the rules, by what God has given us in His Word. Word. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let it, what does he say? He says, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which easily entangles us. Those rules we break, those sins we, we slip into, they entangle us. Some, some uh, versions say ensnare and trap. Listen, we'll be trapped if we don't follow Christ and follow Him the right way. He says, let us run what with endurance Start well, run well, finish well, looking at Jesus. How do we follow with discipline? How do we press on towards Jesus with discipline? How do we follow Him? We keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus will get us there every single time if we keep our eyes on Him. But if we start looking to the left, if we start looking to the right, if we, God help us, look behind, we lose our sight and we lose our vision of the Lord, the King, Jesus on the throne. That's where we're going. That's what we should be pressing towards in 2016, church. Pressing towards Jesus. I'm closing with this. Closing with this. i got to read this to you. It's a beautiful story. Hang with me. One of the great privileges. Don't, don't miss this. This is, this is like what I've built the sermon around right here. One of the great privileges I've had is the last two years I've been able to lead mission trips to New York City and and uh, go to Long Island, New York to help Jamie Rogers just planting churches up in New York. And, and uh, every year, both years, I-, I led those trips. We got to go to Ground Zero. H- anybody ever been, been there since the Trade Centers fell and you've been to the 9-11 Memorial? I-, I think every, every American needs to go see that. 
And one of the places, both years we, we went there, there's Ground Zero. And if you go to Ground Zero, you'll find there the 9-11 Memorial. That's what you'll find. And, and I, I'm doing the best I can without pictures to describe this to you. But, but basically, there's two huge reflection pools that flow into the ground in the exact spots the two Twin Towers stood. You can Google this, YouTube it, you can watch videos on it. Surrounding those huge pools are hundreds, hear me, hundreds of oak trees planted around those, those pools. But there's one exception. In the middle of all those trees planted there is a pear tree. And you say, Jeremy, why? What? So what? Let's go eat. No, listen. Right in the middle of all those trees is a pear tree. This pear tree has been, it's been called the survivor tree. You may have heard about it. You may have read about it or seen it on television. This tree was standing there when the World Trade Center towers were there. And basically what happened was when the buildings fell, this tree, basically, I'm illustrating the best way I know how, was pulverized down to about a nine-foot trunk with just a few little limbs on it. They're digging all the bodies out of there, all the dead 3,000 people almost perished that day. They're almost finished. They're weeks and months into this project, and, and they find this tree. They find this, and it's got leaves on it. Now, 100 miles an hour, wind, mile an hour winds, tons and tons of dirt and steel and all these things come down, and this tree lives. And they say, we've got to dig this tree out of here. We've got, to we've got to do something with this tree. They dig it up. They send it to a nursery. The tree lives. The tree lives. Fast forward hundreds of years later, or excuse me, hundreds of days later, there's a man. I want to introduce him to you today. If you've never heard his name, his name's Ron Vega. He was one of the workers who he, he discovered this tree. His job later on, he was, he was given the task to be the production and the designer and the kind of the foreman over that memorial. And he said, when we put this memorial there, I want that pear tree in the middle of all those oak trees to symbolize how we will survive. Now, Paul's there. Ron, uh, many others, hundreds of other workers. Why they were rescuing all those people and all that stuff. There was so much DNA in the air. So many toxic fumes they breathed for those months. Many of them have died. And he is so sick, this man, he, he's still sick to this day, that every day, he said, was a, was a fight. And he said, he said, every day he woke up, he said, I am going to live long enough to see the last living thing brought out of ground zero to be planted in this memorial. Finally, ten years later, they planted the tree. They dug a hole. They lowered the tree into the ground. He said, now I can die. I want to tell you today, we could all learn so much from that man. What if we say we will not quit? We will not stop. We will let nothing stop us because we have a goal and we want to press on towards Jesus in this new year. The survivor tree is a story for millions of people to never quit, but to press on. Press on as Gail comes, as Myra comes to lead us in our invitation today. I want to tell you, I want to ask you today, will you be devoted in the new year? Will you be disciplined in the new year? Will you have direction in the new year to press on? Press on towards Christ. Don't look behind you. 
Jesus, uh, Paul says, I reach towards Jesus. I reach forward. I want to I wanna challenge you today as we, as we go home and as we eat lunch and as we come back tonight. I hope you'll be here tonight. I, I pray that you will reach forward tonight. Would you stand as we sing? Gail's going to lead us. Would you stand and would you sing and would you reach? Commit in the new year today. Reach forward. Thank you.